Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the podcast. This is Rick Roberts. Hope you're doing well wherever you're at, doing whatever it is you're doing out there, and hopefully you're doing more of it as things start to get back somewhat to normal around these parts here in the USA. Hey, this is episode 241. Is comedy back? Is it back? Is it back where you're at? Is it back for me? Is it back for most? Is it back for all? We'll see. We'll talk about it. I'll tell you my experiences, my point of view, and I'd like to hear from you and your perspective from wherever you are in the world. We have international listeners, so I'd love to hear your take on what's going around in your country and in your comedy scene. So after you hear this episode, I'd love for you to shoot me a message and I'll share some of those insights on a future podcast and uh, kind of get a global perspective. I'm going to give you the Tennessee slash USA perspective here in this episode. I do want to say thanks to our Patreon supporter for this episode. Our sponsor is Trent Babb. Thanks, Trent, for supporting the podcast, for signing up for Patreon, uh, which you signed up at the level, which gets you Club 52, which is a weekly email in your inbox. You get invited to the quarterly Zoom Hangouts. You have access to the videos of all the previous Hangouts and a few other cool things going on in that sponsorship. So take advantage of all that, Trent. Thanks again for uh, for helping us out here and keeping this podcast going. And make sure you tune in for our next episode, episode 242, where I'm going to play the crisp and clean comedy clips that were submitted by you, the listeners. And we have a variety of uh, kinds of clips. You know, when I put out the call to submit you know, I assumed everybody would be uh, submitting a clip they had in front of a live audience. And I guess it wasn't until maybe six or ten entries came in that I realized I didn't specify that it had to be a live stand-up comedy clip. So we've got a mix of uh, folks that are just throwing out a joke on their phone or on the recording device, all the way to clips from a live performance. So I'll kind of do my best to put those in some groups and put that together for the next episode. Hope you enjoy it. And you'll get a chance to vote on your favorites, and the winners of that will get some cool prizes, the top three especially. All right. So is comedy back? That's a great question, and that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I'm going to give you my perspective from things here in Nashville, Tennessee, in the uh, southeast quadrant of the U.S. For those listening internationally, I know for sure things are different in a lot of countries. Uh, Some countries still suffering severe uh, ramifications from the virus, some coming out of it, some dealing with variants. Uh, Talked to some of my friends up in Canada recently and things. I haven't jumped back to full speed there whatsoever yet, and they're still trying to ramp things up. So I'm understanding that as I put this out, and I do want to hear your perspectives from where you're at. So feel free to email your input on the virus and the comedy coming back to normal in a subject line to schooloflats at gmail.com, and I'll mention some of those on an upcoming episode. But what is it like here in the U.S.? Well, about half of Americans, half of the adults are fully vaccinated now which means uh, somewhere close to 130 million adults, which means 130 million potential audience members uh, for sure. And this is according to an article at Healthline.com, which uh, quotes a lot of stats from the CDC, so you can always go there for information as well. 
But restrictions are lifting. Uh, masks are coming off for fully vaccinated people requirements uh, for people to wear masks in stores. Uh, most of the stores have signage that says basically if you're fully vaxxed, you don't have to wear a mask. If you aren't vaccinated, we recommend that you still do. There's really no way to tell uh, who's vaccinated and who's not. Uh, people who don't want to get vaccinated aren't going to, and they're going to probably walk around with no mask anyway. So it is a little tricky, but uh, as always, it's a virus. So unless you're really hanging out close with somebody and not washing your hands and breathing right in their face, if you're fully vaccinated, you should be pretty good to go. And even if you're not vaccinated, uh, you should be pretty good to go. But if you're sharing close quarters, close faces, hanging out with people who are hacking along up, uh, still dangerous out there for sure. But we do have 130 million adults vaccinated, which is pretty interesting. Um, in fact, you know, there's been a lot of incentives for people to get vaccinated. Obviously, peace of mind was the one for me and safety for my family. But, you know, states like Ohio, and for those of you that are outside of the U.S., Ohio's kind of in the middle of the country. It's considered the Midwest, but they've put out a vax lottery. So basically, if you get your vaccine, your name is put into a drawing, and the winner of that weekly drawing gets a million dollars. So how how interesting is that? Um, if you're underage or not a fully grown adult, you don't get a million bucks, but you do get a full-ride scholarship to a state college or university. So major incentives out there for people to get the vaccine. A million dollars, not a bad one. Kind of crazy. I wish they would have done that in Tennessee. I would have waited for that. Put a little coinage in the old pocket, if you know what I'm saying. Um, and even with that being said, uh, we still need more people to get vaccinated to kind of squash this pandemic down more or more people to catch COVID and get over it and form natural antibodies. However you want to go about it, it takes all of us with our different approaches to get to a herd immunity if we can possibly get there. But I don't want to paint a picture that everything is completely fine here in the U.S. You know, even with the decrease overall in cases, nine states uh, saw increases in cases last week. Florida, Texas, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Wyoming, West Virginia, Colorado all saw increase in COVID cases. Even though the numbers are down from where they were at their worst, there was an uptick. And that's not to be... It's really not surprising to me, especially Florida and Texas, um, kind of the renegade states that don't want to play by any rules. Hey, I don't care. But their cases are up and 18 states reported an increase in deaths. Now, again, Florida and Texas lead that one. And Illinois is in on that mix as well as Pennsylvania, Ohio, California, some others. And sometimes those numbers are deceiving on both ends because sometimes the reporting is of cases is held up over a couple of weeks and they combine three or four weeks worth of reporting into one week and there's a spike. But in general, my point is it's getting back to normal, but it's not normal yet. And so, you know, with 41 states, they saw decreases in cases and 32 states saw decreases in deaths. That's a good, good momentum. We're headed the right direction. But again, the main thing that I want to take away from this is with 50% of adults fully vaccinated, that means a lot more potential audience members. And that's a great thing for all of us. Some would say, when I ask his comedy back, they would say, it never went anywhere, dummy. It was just different. And hey, I get that. That's, uh, that's right. I mean, it did change a lot. You know, if you wanted to go find an open mic live during the pandemic, you could. I mean, you, you really wanted to hustle it. There were some that were still going. Some clubs never closed down. They just really restricted the amount of patrons that could come into the club. Um, and people would, you know, put together their own shows, house parties, 
Uh, you could get a bunch of friends together and just kind of run some jokes by each other and, and get some feedback that way. But I'm talking about paying gigs, normal paying gigs. They did go away. They kind of uh, just morphed in a way. Some went virtual. Some people started doing drive-in shows. Some people started doing outdoor gigs. Some people were doing shows in cul-de-sacs and backyards. So truly, if you wanted to perform, you could find some way to do it. But the typical average opportunities weren't there uh, in the past 12, 13 months. And comedy did kind of go away in certain areas. You know, Vegas especially was hit. I mean, a lot of the major performers there, you can't do these big theatrical productions because there's nobody there's not enough people to come in to offset the cost Cirque du Soleil shut down a lot of different things happen cruise ship comics I feel especially uh bad for them because I mean you're, you're on a floating vessel of people trapped together in a small place even though sometimes you're outside just the potential we saw this before coronavirus I mean the potential for a virus of any kind foodborne illnesses those kinds of things to spread um uh, pretty easy when you're on a floating uh, litmus test like that. So that industry is slowly coming out of dry dock and getting back on pace. But for the comics who had kind of transitioned their way out of clubs, out of corporate, or kind of doing 50-50, the people that were doing cruise ships all the time, man, I feel bad for you and I hope things get back to normal as soon as possible. But that was definitely shows that went away. No opportunity to perform on cruise ships for those comics because the cruises weren't happening. Uh, People in different niches, I mean, churches, for the most part, shut down or limited things. But they were also the first to kind of say, hey, if it happens, it happens. I remember doing shows in December where nobody was wearing a mask. Uh, November, even back in October. And now I've done a few in the new year. And You know, some have worn masks, but most, once they get inside the sanctuary, not worried about it. And uh, those shows were still around, lesser in numbers, but still a possibility. So comedy was gone in a sense, but not completely gone in the church market. And my niche, corporate events, definitely got hit pretty hard. Nobody wanted to take the liability risk of having uh, everybody in one space for an extended period of time. They didn't want to put people on airplanes, uh, traveling and all kinds of things like that. So those kind of either went away or morphed into virtual or hybrid events. Did my fair share of those, but uh, comedy still existed in that niche in just a different way and to a lesser extent and uh, still kind of happened, but not the way we were used to it. So comedy did go away, but not completely away. It kind of went around the side door and uh, presented itself in different different opportunities. So what about your typical comedy club setup? Are, are comedians performing in clubs again in a normal way? Uh, I would say it's getting really close. Uh, in fact, here in Tennessee, like I said, the restrictions are lifting. And if you're fully vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask inside a building. And some of these clubs are back to full capacity or very close to it. And in general, comedy club experiences are coming back, which is great because I know a majority of comics listening to this or aspiring comics. That's your main goal is to get into comedy clubs and make a living doing that. And the general comedy club experience is happening. I went two weeks ago to see Reno Collier, a friend of mine at Zany's, recording uh, an album, basically. So I wanted to support him and see the show. And at first, when I walked in, I wasn't sure if we're going to be wearing masks or not. There's a little waiting area when you first walk in, and they recommended you have a mask on there. 
And it was kind of the thing where everybody has one in their hand and they kind of have it halfway up to their face and you're not really wanting to put it on unless you have to. And uh, that was the case when I walked in. There was one person out of five that had their mask on. The rest were just kind of pretending to get it on because they knew as soon as they walked in the showroom, they didn't have to wear one. The staff was wearing them. That's great. But you walk past those doors and it's back to typically the experience you're used to. You grab a seat, sit close to other people. Some people were sitting with people they didn't know at a table, those kinds of things. And a comedy show happened and it was great. Great to see Reno up there just crushing it with material that he'd written throughout the pandemic, but didn't have a ton of opportunities, obviously, to practice it out. And uh, got up there and just crushed it, I thought. And Aaron Weber, the MC, uh, the feature act for the show, did a great job as well. Hadn't seen his whole 30-minute set before, and he, he definitely had it going on. So if you get a chance to see either of those guys, Aaron Weber or Reno Collier, check him out. But, you know, the overall feeling inside Zanies, I have to say, when I first got past the door and went to my seats, it was kind of like visiting a place that you knew as a kid, like a while, a distance, a distance uh, time frame ago. Like, I kind of remembered this is what it was like. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is kind of cool. You don't have to wear a mask. You laugh out loud and exhale as hard as you can towards other people. <laughs> you know, it was a little weird, strange, but also familiar. That's what I liked about it is it just kind of felt like normal. And I had done several corporate events over the past few months where it was a similar situation where nobody was wearing a mask and they were all vaccinated or said to have been vaccinated and things were kind of normal. And you know what? It was fun. I went by myself. I kind of grabbed a seat middle of the showroom and just sat back and had a good time. And it was excellent. You know, like I said, the staff was wearing masks, so they were doing their job. Um, but nobody else did. And it seemed so normal again. It was great. Like I say, I've been vaxxed for six weeks now or whatever. So I, I felt good going in there. And the main thing I want to get from this point of view is I felt good as an audience member. I didn't sit there going, oh, man, I should cover my mouth or I should worry about things. And I looked around the room and nobody else was worried either. So it's comedy back. I think for the audience members, it is back. They are ready to go. And from the comics that night on stage, they were all hitting on all cylinders as well. So Whatever they did during the downtime, they they were back up to speed quickly. So that was great to see. The comics weren't rusty and really kind of flailing around trying to figure out what to say next and asking the crowd, hey, what do you guys want to talk about? It just kind of got to to feel normal, and it felt great. So my main takeaway from that, like I said, people are ready to laugh. Audience members are ready to come out and be comfortable again. And also here in the past week, I flew again. I hadn't flown in 63 weeks. And let me tell you what, of course you could have, flights were flying, but I was waiting to get vaccinated. I'd turned down multiple gigs, probably, I wouldn't say 20, I'd say at least a dozen to 15 shows uh, over the pandemic that were flying gigs that I didn't want to fly until I was vaccinated just for the mind, uh, peace of mind and for safety of my family. But 63 weeks between flights, man. And I average before the pandemic, you know, seven to 10 flights a month. So we're talking about 80, 90 flights plus I didn't take during that time. And some things have not changed. The boredom of sitting around waiting for your flight to board and all that kind of stuff still there. The annoying people at the airport still there and uh, all that kind of stuff. I don't miss. I did not miss the downtime of traveling. But man, 
90 minutes. I look up. I'm in New Orleans, and flight was good. Nobody punched out a flight attendant. Nobody got kicked off the airplane or thrown out the window for acting up on my flight, although that's happened multiple times here recently. People just not wanting to go with the program. I mean, go with the flow, man. I know that you don't necessarily want to wear a mask on a plane, but it's just a short 90-second flight. And as long as you're eating something, uh, you can have your mask off. So just eat the whole time. That's what I did. Kind of had my granola both ways coming and going on uh, each flight, and everything worked out. But, man, you know, for a guy, like I said, who flew so much, it was the first flight back. I probably, I can't remember if it was 30 or 30, 33, something like that, flights that were canceled. You know, once the pandemic and lockdown hit, I had to cancel those flights. So I have a lot of vouchers sitting there. Used one of those to fly to New Orleans. Had a corporate gig at a plantation about 45 minutes west of New Orleans in a little area. Very pretty uh, plantation. Now, of course, I know horrible things happen at the plantation, but the remaining building, structures, trees, that part of it was beautiful. The show went fine. It was for a healthcare uh, group. Nobody had to wear masks. They'd all been vaccinated probably before everybody else. Things went really smooth. Food tasted great. Experience was great. Only downside that I can really tell you a couple little things. And this is, I think, something you should expect if you're flying to gigs is the rental car companies not doing too good. I mean, they're bouncing back in their own way. But when the pandemic hit, they weren't bailed out by the government like other, well, like the airlines. The government kind of floated them for a while. They employ a lot more people and keep things moving. But the rental car companies not bailed out. In fact, Hertz, it only took two and a half months before them you know, to go bankrupt, had to file for bankruptcy in May when the pandemic started in March. So not a lot of margin there. A couple of lessons you can learn from that is have something put aside, but also don't count on the government to bail you out. And then with that, the rental car companies had to sell off a bunch of their fleet. In fact, they estimate about a third of the fleet they had to sell off just to kind of pay some basic bills. We're talking 770,000 cars, according to the Washington Post, were sold off. So the fleet's smaller, demand up, what you have in between, supply and demand, shortage. Not only shortage of cars, but shortage of workers. You know, I went to the kiosk, um, Dollar Express, you know, and I go, there's no express line because nobody is manning that. And so I had to go through the regular line. I was four people back, took about 40 minutes, not fun. Uh, I know these are first world problems, so forgive me for that. But just wanted to let you know what the situation is like. The car prices are crazy because demand is high. Inventory is low. What would have cost me maybe $49 a year ago uh, was $129 to get a basic economy car that I was only going to be in for 90 minutes, drive 45 minutes each way to this gig. And, uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But that kind of is irritating. I understand it. And it's going to be a while before those rental car companies and rental car are available at the pre-pandemic level because of other things going on. There's uh, semiconductors that they use in these car computers, and those have been affected by the pandemic, and the, the supply of those is greatly limited. So the car makers and manufacturers are making less. They used to kind of hedge their their bets and kind of pad their margins by selling these new cars to these rental car companies and having those in their fleets. None of that is happening at the same level now. So the prices are up and you might say, Hey dude, just take an Uber, you know, or a Lyft dude. And you know what? 
guess what? Demand is up for rides and a lot of Lyft drivers and Uber drivers quit during the pandemic because, of course, A, you're going to be in a car with people who could have the virus. Uh, B, those rideshare companies were paying them less and making it harder for them to make money as, as they did when they first started out. And C, people had unemployment checks that came in that paid the same or, you know, close to the same as what they were making driving, didn't need to drive, and found other things to do when they did want to work that were more satisfying than being an Uber or Lyft driver. Um, that's not the case for everybody. There are still drivers out there, but a lot found that to be true. And so you're going to look at these Uber and Lyft options, and the prices are higher, much higher, and the waits are longer. So again, the rental car companies push uh, have less cars, and that pushes you to the rideshare companies. They have less drivers. That pushes the rates up. Be prepared to pay more, and be prepared to... Uh, Maybe call for your ride or schedule a ride earlier than you need it in case there is a delay in getting it so you still get to your gig on time. And, of course, if you're going to try to rent a car, make sure you do that as far in advance as you can and then even be prepared to wait for them to clean a car or for one to come back in when you get to your destination, especially a, a popular destination like, say, Orlando or uh, L.A. or New York or Chicago where people are getting in and getting out at higher numbers. So you want to make sure that you budget some time and cash for the ground travel. And then one other insight from my trip to New Orleans is that the hotels are still kind of coming back to normal, but not quite there yet. Stayed at a hotel near the airport, uh, specifically got the hotel because they had airport shuttle. And even though I had rented a car, my idea was to drop it off after the gig because I had like a 6.30 a.m. flight the next day. I didn't want to deal with dropping it off and taking the shuttle and all that kind of stuff. And when I get there, they're like, oh, yeah, the airport shuttle isn't running because of COVID. And I'm looking at the employee behind the counter who's not wearing a mask. The breakfast room is wide open. Nobody's wearing a mask. And the employees are in there without a mask putting the food out. And yet, conveniently for them, they decided to just not drive to the airport, which I'm sure is a cost for them, but come on. At this point, put on a mask, I'll wear one, crack the window, and let's get over there. So, again, first world problem, minor annoyance, but did cost me in a matter of time, about an extra 45 minutes I had to plan to get up earlier. Hey, I'm happy, I'm not complaining, but if you're wondering what it's like out there, I would be prepared for rental cars to be a little crazy, rideshare to be a little crazy, and perhaps some of the amenities you're used to at the hotels not back to full swing. So there's the travel situation. Bookings are upticking. I don't know what it's like for you, where you're at. Again, I'd like to know. Send me a message, schooloflast at gmail.com. But it looks like, for me at least, once August hits, it's going to be back to about 70% normal to where I would be in a regular year with uh, just the way I keep track of things, statistics and metrics, if you want to call them that, how many bookings I have on the books that are confirmed, all those kinds of things. Um, hopefully that continues. Maybe it'll be back to full normal by the time August hits. But right now, from August to the end of the year, I'm at 70% of what I usually do, which is uh, very exciting. And I'm sure without any further complications from this virus, that December corporate events, holiday parties will be up again. And that'll be a great way to finish out the year, hopefully. Virtual events still happening, slightly lower rate, but I'm still getting those events uh, requested and still doing some of those. I've made peace with it. It's not the same, but 
what I like about it now is it's another place where I can try material out uh, before hitting uh, a bigger gig with more people in a live setting. So they don't pay the same. I've had a couple pay the same, but they don't generally pay the same. They don't think of it in the same terms as a live event. But if those continue this next year, uh, that's a great way to kind of supplement and not have to travel as much and still earn some money. So if you don't like doing virtual gigs, I totally understand it. Uh, send them my way. I'm still happy to do it. I've got the equipment, learned how to learned how to make it work and be enjoyable. But that is down ticking, which uh, is expected as other gigs are starting to tick up a little bit. So I'm, I'm happy to, to do those, but uh, more happy to do the live events. Much more fun for sure. And the best news I could say is that cancellations are at zero at this point. After a year where just gig after gig after gig after gig got canceled, um, I, had, I lost track of it, but I stopped counting at 45 gigs during the pandemic got canceled or postponed. And it was just like brutal. Just It was dominoes, man. You know, the first wave came right during the beginning of the pandemic, and then it just kept going. But over the past six weeks, I've only had one event postponed to next year. They still weren't ready to bring people back, but no others. And so that's a great sign that there's been no cancellations. And of all the dates that got canceled last year, I've had, I think I counted up 11 have already been booked and performed like I've done them. They rescheduled. They're in the past now. I got about 10 more coming up that have been rebooked for this year. So they're part of the mix for the remaining of the year. And I've got six that were moved to next year from early this year. So, um, you know, they were supposed to happen last March. They didn't this March. They weren't ready, but they're putting them on the books for next year. So in that sense, I've got more uh, things on the schedule for next year than I usually do at this point. Uh, but there's still gigs that I uh, had just got moved around a little bit. So hopefully the same thing is happening for you. You're seeing less cancellations, more things booked, and you're getting fired up to get out on the road again. So from my point of view, things are looking good. Comedy is almost, it's back in a sense. It's not all the way back, but it's getting a lot closer to where it was. So to kind of recap my overall takeaways If you are waiting for bookings to happen again or waiting for reschedules, call those people up now and see if they're ready to reschedule. I found that by being in constant contact with them once a month throughout the pandemic, I've kind of built a kind of a a better rapport with some of them than I would have if we just done a one-off show and just talked once over the phone before the thing happened. But people are rebooking. So if you have some emails of people who wanted you last year and couldn't do it, Holler that they might be willing to jump on that right now. I would also, I don't know, I'm, I would suggest this. You don't have to, but I'm focusing still this year on driving to as many gigs as possible. Um, something that would have been on kind of the perimeter of a flight, you know, like from Nashville to Chicago. That's a, a really quick flight and a, a pretty decent drive. Uh, somewhere between Indy and in Chicago, I cut off the the driving and go with the flying. But any, what I'm trying to say is, if you don't want to deal with extra costs or the rental car and potentially not getting picked up on time with your Uber or your Lyft, if you don't do the rental car, you know, keep booking gigs you can drive to. Enjoy that time in the car. Hopefully, there's no more uh, ransomware installed on the Colonial pipelines and things like that to affect your driving gigs. And again. Take advantage of the virtual gigs as they still happen. I should wait for gigs to come back in. 
go out, that's my final thought, go out and be a great audience member for any clubs, venues, open mics in your area that are open back up. Support them. Help them. They, they got hit hard, punched in the face during this pandemic. And if you want a club to perform at, maybe you want to go pay, have a meal, buy a ticket, and support a comic while you wait your turn to get on stage. That's my advice to you. Comedy is back, not all the way, much closer than I th- uh, thought it would be at this point, even though initially I thought it had been back really fast. Once things set in, I thought it might take till the end of this year for things to get back to normal. They're getting there quicker here in the U.S. Hopefully it stays the same. Uh, prayerfully for you outside the country, if your country is uh, having a difficult time with vaccines and managing the variants, uh, things get back to normal quicker for you than you think. I'm fully aware it's different. Would like to hear, again, would love to hear your input on where you're at if you're outside of the U.S. and how things are looking there. All right, that's going to do it next week. Make sure you, or next episode, make sure you tune in and you'll hear the submissions for the Crisp and Clean Comedy Competition and uh, have some fun doing that. More on that next week. Thanks again to Trent Babs for supporting the podcast through Patreon. This is Rick Roberts. Take care, stay safe. And stay away from Hertz and Avis and Dollar and Alamo and just drive to the gig. Stay funny. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny. Stay funny.